Well, um, the last session of the uh, morning session is uh, about to begin, and um, there's uh, because of the high interest in the topics, we continue to keep rolling it forward. But there's a limit on this one because lunch is going to be on at 12:30 in the afternoon. So, I, yeah, 12:30. So 12:30. So it's uh, we've got an hour, and and theoretically this is the, allow us the time for the. 15 minutes, we've got a little three more minutes on top of that one for the 45 minute you know, discussion and the question and answer. And um, it, it appears that what we're going to do is sort of roll forward the continuation of where Tom left us, in the, not in the lurch, but right on the edge <laughs> of, uh, you know, of, of the basis. And then um, there will be a dialogue with, you know, we'll, we'll continue forward with this and, and, and play this one out. So. Tom? Yeah, maybe what I was thinking is, because uh, I know there's still some questions left, so let's maybe just finish the questions on this, and then, you know, we'll talk about a few things. So, let's go with the next. So, what's magic about the 4%? Uh, what's magic about the 4% is that, um, I think someone, I heard someone lease part rate. of that, there's, yeah, lease rate, but in fact the interest rate that, um, one component of the carrying cost of almost anything is the cost of financing it. So if you buy gold for the purpose of um, trading the basis or doing anything else, uh, you have foregone being in cash and investing that you know, for interest with a bond or CD or whatever it was. And obviously gold is the ultimate risk-free asset, so you might expect that its interest rate would be the lowest. Um, but nonetheless, that would be the main component. But it's also interesting that Typically, you wouldn't see this. Like, if interest rates are at eight, nine percent, you know, this number doesn't really go that, you know, go up quite that high. It goes six, let's say. Um, and this four percent is not any more magic than this has been a number that has been consistent over the last few months and few years. Um, so, so the ten-year bond is getting up towards four percent. If it got up as I expect you know, maybe 10%, you'd expect that to go to 6 or 7, something like that? Well, it depends on, you know, what the, what the spot demand for gold is. If, if the bond is going up because people are selling the bond and they're trying to move further up or down the exters pyramid, becoming less risky, that means going into gold, that means this would actually be lower. So it's not necessarily true that this is a direct relationship to the interest rates, but when I was saying that 4% tends to be a, a, a top, what I was saying is that um, you know the, the natural limit of that, I think I described a couple of days ago, sort of if you can buy it and then store it, you know, for less than what you can sell it for, that can make a profit. Um, but really, there is that interest rate component to it too that you have to consider. Um, but it's not an exact relationship. Um, in June 1999 and 2000, when the gold price was at relatively low, low levels, what was the um, the interest rate at that point in time? Was it high? Was it high? What, was the what was the interest rate in 1999, 2000? That was probably pretty similar to today, wasn't it? It was about so 2%. I, yeah, for the, like the, the target rate, but like bond rates were probably around, you know, probably even higher than 6%. Not so much those interest rates, but in terms of the basis, the rate, the interest rate, the basis. The, so what this is, is there a correlation between the low price of gold and the high? Basis, right? I see what you're saying. Um, you know what? Not as not as much as you might think. Um, there, you know, I think when you have higher interest rates, this does tend to go up. But again, it starts losing that <coughs> connection when you go higher. And of course, when you have 
I mean, the example I could give for like silver in 2006 when the ETF launched, the silver ETF Barclays, uh, the basis went uh, negative into backwardation for a couple months. Everyone was accumulating silver, thinking that it's gonna, you know, it's gonna, you know, um, and it wasn't an interest rate thing. It was just a specific, you know, market event. Um, what we're talking about though, in, the, in the, the, the final sort of solution, as it were, is that that market event will be everyone seeking to buy spot and no one's buying spot. So you can care less what happens in the future. It's probably no one's really dealing in futures anyway. But the spot, you know, the spot is really going to be you know, sort of obviously shooting to the moon. Uh, is there a correlation between, or the relationship between the basis and the price? Are they completely independent or are they related? Because the professor has talked about the strategy of using the basis to time your purchases of, uh, or your spot purchases of metal. Um, I, I think we will get more into that when we talk about the bimetallic arbitrage. That's one component of... Uh, however, I think there's a justification for this question because you don't have to do bimetallic arbitrage to use the basis as a signal for gold purchases or, right. or silver purchases. Right. So, uh, perhaps, let me sharpen this a little bit. Okay. Here we are in Australia. Where would you get your clues for the spot price? Uh, if you want to catch, suppose you live in Australia. Suppose you live in Australia. Where you guys get to? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but that's a London. Really, that's that's the price in London. Um, yes, no, but this is. No, okay, you see, the perf mint. Here we go. The perf mint has a fixed uh, price every day. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. just to answer that question, we in the early late nineties we were approached by a guy who wanted to create a long gold fund and also a short mutual fund. And to investigate the short mutual fund, how the mechanics would work, he had to get all the data that we had on the lease rate, the cash rate, and the spot price. And then, because when he realised that oh, there's a contango and there's a potential for profit here. And I remember he, I dumped him all the data and he had a look at it and he came back and he said there was no relationship. He couldn't see any correlation. So I wouldn't think that you're going to find that there's this great secret magic trick that we've just all discovered that, you know, there's this correlation between lease rates, interest rates, or the basis and spot prices that give you this super clear trade. Right. It does, yeah, there's no, and I've, I've looked for a couple of years myself. Yeah. That's why, you know, there's no direct answer to that. There's no magic pill. I mean, if there was, you know, yeah. people have been doing this and it would have... Well, I wouldn't be. And there might, well, <laughs> what I'm saying is that this... I would have done a deal with the Treasury and be trading away right now. <laughs> 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 it's that simple, it'd be easy to discover yeah. it. So you really... This is, but, but, you know, I think... That was, Jeff, that's the yeah. second thing about the spot price is... Um, and that's right, I mean, this is a sort of theoretical discussion. I mean, in the end, if you want yeah. to actually do this strategy, you, you know, your price is going to be well, where are you buying gold from, spot, to start with. Let's forget about how you do the futures. You know, it's going to be the price that you're going to pay the person in front allocated. It's not going to be this or any other price. It's the price you pay to get actual buy gold or to sell gold. So, so and that is going to be a little bit different to this sort of calculation. Now, on that, I just rang the treasurer and said, hey, if I got a great business opportunity because everyone wants to trade basis, um, technically, he could, we could do that. I mean, and what we would do is be doing it through forward. So instead of <coughs> selling a futures, you're buying spot and selling a futures contract, you would buy spot and sell forward. 
Um, and we could actually quote that and do that price. And we're not set up at the moment for that because we need a very robust <laughs> treasury system. We're in the process of getting one, and that would be not in until July next year. But what I said to him is this: it's theoretically possible, and he can quote a forward rate, and you know you could do this strategy. But he and, he, and his initial gut reaction is well. Considering the buy-sell spreads on both spot and the forward, you know, he's not too sure that there'd be a, in practical terms, at least at this stage, given where the lease rates and interest rates are so low, there's right. going to be well, a today, great, of course, massive we're, trading opportunity. We're near zero, though, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But when you're at 4%, you know, I think you've got something to work with. But, but what again, I'll do depends. when we go back is I'll certainly investigate that okay. a bit further, and since we'll all be on the same email, I can keep you in contact. And what I'll try and work with Tom is on getting a more robust um, spot and maybe forward price, because right. that's what we would do. You, did he mention what forward price that he's using? Was it the London? Uh, yeah, it would be London. Okay. We'd all be based off London. Okay. Um, yeah. Is the volatility of the Australian dollar at the moment ruin any chance of doing that? Uh, well, that's an interesting thing to investigate. I mean, it dropped two, uh, gained two cents in about 20 minutes this morning. But you see, the, the beauty of this is again, it doesn't matter what's happened to the price, it doesn't matter if it's an Aussie price, you're not trading the Australian price. This eliminates that because you're trading the difference. As long as you're both trading yeah. both the yeah. futures, which would be right. Yeah, and, and as I said, because we would quote, you would quote you an Australian forward price. Um, so again, now what we'll do is probably in the meantime is track that and see whether there is a trading opportunity. Right, and you then have to hedge your currency risk, right? Because the forward. Yeah, well, we'd just buy hmm? Australian dollars. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know what you're trying. What you're trying to get at. Yeah. Can, can the basis here. be used to time your purchases of, of metals? <laughs> Well, I think again, right, we, the, we haven't gotten to the part of the bimetallic arbitrage yet. I think, no, no, no. I think, I think I, it's possible, I think but I haven't, I have not found a consistent tool that you can do, you know, frequently enough that you would simply use the basis as, as sort of, you know, uh, a, a just by itself a trading mechanism. But there are other things, and I'm hoping in the next, you know, little while to get into that. There's, you can compare the basis to other things, and maybe this guy wasn't really. Looking at enough different things, but you know when you start expanding your horizons, you're, you start to see, you know, sort of almost a flow of metal, you know, through the markets. And if you can time the flow of metal, of course you can get if you can get there ahead of time, you know which way things are going. Um, but this is not sort of, uh, you know, well, okay, the basis now went up to four percent. Oh, I'm gonna. I, this is, this indicates that you should be buying gold because the basis could be at four percent. When gold is going down, and it could be when it's going up, it could be when it's spiking yeah. down, it could be when it's spiking up. You have to combine that with other factors, yeah. not just that by itself. Right. But there are some that, if, if you look carefully enough, for example, I think you were there when, it, when you when I explained that. If you look at a certain type of uh, uh, spike, okay, and then it returns back to the, to the level, uh, it's almost like a failure, a market failure to sort of. Move the market. Uh, a spike in the in the basis, and then a return yeah, yeah. to the previous level. That, yeah, and it's maybe a day or two or whatever it is. Yeah. Typically, shortly thereafter, you see a major market move in the opposite direction in the price. Enough that I think that could potentially be a tool. And I haven't tested that back, you know, 20, 30 years. But on a you know three years, I saw five or six episodes of this, like yes. eight, four of those or whatever, were. And see, these are major moves. So you don't care about that. It's just a little bit. Who cares? You know, but but these are really. So that's what you're looking for. Um, and so there, there. Some of that does exist. But again, you can't just be looking at. You have to really dig down into a little bit. That's what you know. I've been doing this for a couple of years. And again, like I said, 
if I had already figured this out, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that, you know, wouldn't be happy just doing it myself and making a bunch of money. I wouldn't need to come here and, you know, be teaching anyone. And I'm not that generous either. <laughs> so if I could do this myself, I'd rather just be home, you know, sitting in my, you know, trunks and, uh, and trading this. So this is an ongoing process. There are certainly things that you could use the basis, and, I, and I've actually done it myself, um, but this is not something I could, you know, sort of say, throw it out here, you know, and, and without any sort of understanding of these, the, 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 the fundamentals, you could just figure this out. This is a learning process, and I don't expect that, you know, um, I'm probably, you know, you're probably, like this far, I'm probably here, and you know, and, and you want to just, you know, keep increasing your knowledge. Um, and the way I view it now, is much more that it's added a, 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 a totally new dimension to my analysis and the way that I trade. And I've actually seen it improve my trading. Um, but not just because it's just a, a flat out single signal that I don't combine with anything else. You combine it with other signals, you, you understand what the flow in the market is, and you try to you know, put that all into, your, into perspective. Uh, Tom, we all understand that you don't take your clues as far as the uh, gold price is concerned from Australia because you live in California I live in Hungary and I don't think much but I t would like to put myself in the position of a person who lives here yeah. and I would like to be able to suggest that uh, there is a local basis here in Australia and how to calculate it so uh, I understand you have your own agenda which you'd like to go on with but I'd like to book 10 minutes before we adjourn okay. for uh, for lunch to go back to your question Mike Michael yeah we want to go back to your question uh, this session before we adjourn for lunch so uh, let Tom continue his Exposition. Uh, Tom, just a just a question in our discussion during the tea break. You said that um, the basis had shrunk at, at the moment. That's correct. Right, so you, it's not four percent. It's what? Yeah, I mean, currently, um, depending on how you calculate it. But if I just look at the forward rates again, I don't know what's going on. With the internet. I can't pull it up, but. Um, Throughout this this year, the, both gold and silver, the forward rates at the LDMA have been in that three to four percent range, or four percent being the absolute top, more typically three, that kind of range. Uh, starting in August, um, the uh, uh, both rates for silver and gold started to drop uh, forward rates. Well, the point that I'm trying to make is, uh, I got the impression from our discussion that you're expecting it to fluctuate between that two and four, right? And that's that's how typically, we, uh, typically. That, and, and that, that's how we're, that's what we're saying. We we trade that fluctuation. Right, but well, that would be one method. But yeah, keep yeah, in mind but that the just, just in yeah, okay. Considering what's going on, and the fact that we are so close to zero, have you considered the the fact that maybe this is a time when it's actually going to tip tip over in the backwardation? This may be it. You know, it could be, but as I said, it's 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 not unique that that gold or silver might be in backwardation for a period of time and then pull back out of it. Um, so this is really because it's an unprecedented situation. There is as really no say, template. This situation is unique. But there's it's no template for going back and saying, oh, this is like 1980 or it's like 1933 or any other date. I think what you have to do is you have to fundamentally understand what the basis means and what it says. Look at what the market factors are and try to determine is this going negative or base is going into backwardation, that indicator, and is it continuing to stay in backwardation, what's happening with physical 
or people buying the ETF, what's going on at the you know retail level, what's going on at the wholesale level. You have to take these all into account. Um, so I can't say that just because the basis is going to zero or negative at this point that this is like, okay, this is it, because it has to be a permanent backwardation. And the indication of that is that um, it's not just today that people are not willing to sell gold, it's they're not going to be willing to sell it when gold's at $2,000. And I could say that there are probably a lot of people that today may be willing to sell gold at $2,000 still. So my personal belief is that this is not it. Um, but this is, you know, this is just my studying of it. Maybe some other people have a different opinion, but, and that's, that's what it is. This is not concrete enough to say this is definitely it. But you're right. From an abstract point that's at zero, it could certainly be. Um, but I look at other factors too. I'm not, I'm not getting the indication. My, my sort of analysis says 12 to 18 months, if we're in backwardation, and we've stayed at this level and even gone negative periodically and back and forth, and we're still there in 12 to 18 months, let's talk. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> About what? <laughs> I only have everything I, you know. So you can talk to me about what you want to act. I don't need to act. I'm already as prepared as I need to be. Um, okay. Any other questions? Is there a constant? Uh, have you discovered any uh, differences between? different periods of the basis, say for example, uh, on a each three months or four months period at all. Say for example, is the basis between say December to April the same as the April to um, June or July? You know? There's a trend. Yeah, there's a, there's, there, yeah, there's not, I, I haven't really myself, and this is an interesting thing, chart each of the futures, yes. right? and see where they go. And that's not actually something I've done uh, myself, other than to try to establish this sort of average price that I talked about before. Um, I've averaged all of them together to sort of come up with a price, but I haven't compared each of those to each other. It, it really is a hard thing to do, because the further out you go, yes, the, the less volume there is, mm -hmm. and the more, therefore, the price is not necessarily an indica indicative of a liquid market, and the less liquid a market is, the more likely that the price is not going to be How about historically? Price. Going backwards. I again, I I have not done an analysis where I took each Something set of futures prices and determined. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a strategy trading these spreads. The way I the way I looked at spreads was always the nearest futures, yes, okay, or the one that is coming into expiration versus one out a few months, because if you're going to have a, 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 a massive shrinking, typically it happens, you know. In that, not the, the. I mean, the further out ones can also shrink, but it, especially the spread order, it's pretty hard to enter a spread order for something that's six months out and then something that's twelve months out. The stuff that's twelve months out, there might only be two hundred contracts total, and the market's two hundred thousand contracts. So you may never fill on that, even if it's, you know, even if you hit that limit or whatever, uh, or things should be at that price based on, you know, what your math says. Someone may not be there, you know, to sell at that price or buy at that price. So, it, but but it, it's it, it might be a valid tool because um, who knows? Maybe there's something there. There could be something there. I got a lot of things. If anyone else to do it too. Um, I I have something to add here to okay. this point, which might be important. Uh, you admitted you don't know for sure. I admit I don't know for sure, but it is something worth watching. Um, the the basis, the concept of the basis can be refined by taking into account 
all the spreads. Mm -hmm. So the differences between various future prices, always subtracting the nearer from the more distant future price. Then you have not just one number, but you have actually uh, a landscape of, of numbers. I don't call it basis, but I would like to give a name to the to the picture. This is the big picture of which the basis is at the center. And I would like to call it, this is, I'm improvising now, uh, calling it a web. Think of a cobweb. Okay? So the cobweb serves two purposes for the spider. On the one hand, it catches the victim. But it's also a communication system, because if a fly, say, approaches the far corner of the web, this gives signals to the spider, alerting the spider to be ready to go there and catch the victim. So in the same way I'm suggesting it to you that we have in the web or basis web or web basis, I don't know, I leave it to the linguists to, to find the right word, but let's just call it web uh, for simplicity. This is a refinement of the idea of the basis. It catches a, a much larger, it, it um, casts its, its net much wider catches information from, from a wider pool. And this may be important and critical, especially at uh, crisis time, like we have now. Normally, when markets are calm, the basis is sufficient. It give, gives you the necessary information. But when there is a crisis, then you want the big picture. And the big picture is this web, which includes not just the basis, the difference between the, the, uh, uh, the, the nearby future and the cash price, but all the future spreads. All the spreads, And then, well, this is something we have to work on and de de develop the theory, how we can utilize this type of information. So I, I think Great this... If we are forward-looking, we, we should take this into yeah. it. I remember when I first met Tom, uh, we had a little discussion on the concept of a basis and Tom was inclined to cast his net wider and I said no let's focus it and now I've come around and say well this was, this was a very wise and forward looking approach yeah. but still we want to be clear, basis is a definite number, whereas the, the spreads are, there, and, and we just have to make up the big picture, okay. Yeah, the one thing I would add to that is this, the idea of a web is, you know, I think I've mentioned this, that I've become aware that of the importance of different, comparing different markets to each other. Um, oh. And this is not just the different futures, but for example, the the ETF markets have been, you have become very significant in the amount of volume 
dollar volume of trading of gold and silver that occurs. Now, of course, most of the ETF trading is just people trading back and forth. It doesn't translate to the physical market, but it is an indication. So this would be another you know, extension, sort of, of, extension of the web that you look at the ETF. And this is what And maybe Tocom? Certainly could be, right. No. I mean, I think the more price information you have, I mean, maybe there's some limits to the computing power you have. <laughs> no, some, some people can maybe help with that. Well, yeah, but there's way, there may be ways around that, meaning, you know, you may not be able to take a four-dimensional view of things, but, you know, a computer perhaps can. But um, incorporating the price feeds, really, from, from different markets, because the basis is not only in time, it's also in place. In the, in the grain, which we didn't mention too much, but, but in grains, what it turns out, maybe I did mention it, that, that part of the basis is the physical location of it. It's not just that it's deliverable in 6 to 12 months, but that it's deliverable in a different location, and that there's a different price for it in that location because where it is. So there's a different price, obviously, for gold in, in London, in New York, not just because it's deliverable at a certain time. You know, period of time, but just because of how much that local demand is for physical taking physical delivery versus what that physical supply is. So that, I think that is actually a, uh, something I've kind of been doing, but not really. I guess I didn't think about it in terms of including more futures data. But you, it, I think this is this is actually right. That it may. for you to do. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Nice yeah. go. Good uh, we appreciate you sharing your trading experience. Let's say I want to do trading the basis now. Okay. Uh, the practical problem, just I think I understand the first part. Um, when I want to buy the basis, I buy the spot and then I sell the futures, I'm not yeah. sleep. When I buy the spot, let's say 710, do I buy physical or do I buy in a future market, put 10% and then uh, the margin and then I, I get one contract under out? So in this case, um, if the December is close enough that in fact it acts as like kind of a proxy for the right. spot, if those two are pretty close together, but there's a futures contract further out at some point that has a significant tango that you can compare to a historical number that is relatively high, you could affect simply you use use this is more of a spread, not the basis, because it's between two futures, but this futures can substitute. Now this is just for trading. This is not for keeping forever or anything like this. This would be for, I know. you know, for, no, for a very short period of time. But certainly you can. Yeah. No, my question is, uh, as the professor say, okay, when you want to buy basis, you buy spot, then right. you sell future. Okay, I want to do it now. I, let's say December is one month or two months away. Okay. Uh, when I buy 710 cash, do I, I mean, do you, from your experience, do you enter a, a contract 100 hours in, without taking physical, just put 10% and, over contract, long position. Over long position, and then you sell a short. That would be a spread, not. Right. It, so, so what you're saying is you can take the December 08 and hold the long position in this no, instead no, of you, buying. No, you take long in uh, spot price. But if you take long in spot price, you're paying cash and yes. for 100% and receiving, right? Receiving. The 100 ounces. Yeah. So then, to to enter into a basis trade, you would short the December. Short the December, yes. Correct. And you time. would have to put up some. You're right. You would have to put up some margin, 10, five 10 to ten, five to ten percent, whatever yes. it is. Um, and then, you know, in fact, then you would have yeah. the so, basis trade. So um, when 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 the basis come down, when I'm let's say from four percent drop, I will sell the basis. Sell for the Sorry. When you buy the basis now, so we unwind, you sell the basis. When, yeah. So you unwind your position. 
you sell your spot, then you buy your future. Correct. Correct. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My question is uh, only on, on the cash. Do you buy in full physical or do you buy put ten percent in total contract? It's not cash. I would put. I would buy if, if you're. One contract is 100 ounces. Yes. You trade the basis. You want to buy 100 ounces of physical, because okay. otherwise you don't have a full <coughs> offset. Um, the margin itself is just to make sure that if you're yeah. in the hole, that the contract can still be liquidated. So you actually buy physical for, for the cash you, Yeah, you full, full, full amount. That's right. You pay in full amount. But but again, if you if you substitute the spot for December, you could buy the December. It's actually interesting that. You can buy this December 2008 and let's say sell the June 2009 and the margin on that total is $250. Yeah. Yet there's still the potential that this could get really upside down and you could make you know thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And the most that these would probably move apart is a few hundred dollars. So you, could, you can essentially do that by, and then you don't have to put out 100% here. That's the way I do it. I just don't have, I don't have enough money committed that I'd actually go buy 100 ounces of gold and, and you know trade the futures, but um, many of you probably you know would have that you know have those means. So where's the cell phone? Is this the line coming? Where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? Huh? The door? Next door. Oh, this? No. So what's in this? So you have this 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 trade has uh, 16 days on it. Okay. So you would say that in 16 days this would have to make the move or you exit it. Now you may you know it, it may be that you don't lose anything or it breaks even or you or you lose a little bit. So it's like anything else, but. Um, then when you so then you when you're you know this December contract's up the next contract's in February, it may be a little bit too far apart now to say well I'm going to buy the February and then sell the October whatever the next December, you know you want to be I think a little bit closer. Again the the, the futures is not going to this this backwardation phenomenon happens typically pretty close to expiration when it when it when it turns big. So if you're a few months out. Your profit potential is not that large. It may not be worth the risk um, of you know of doing this as opposed to something else. Would okay. you use the volume indicator to dictate which particular futures you would go with? Yes. So so the next uh, sort of step, if we took this further, would be that um, if you are in cash and then you're looking at the next month of the futures, you'd want to be you wouldn't want to be short this one when the volume or the open interest. Then this really dives down, to, you know, pretty low. And it, it's actually interesting that if you could, if you chart when futures roll, uh, this is actually an indicator itself. Um, this is not. It's corollary to the basis, but um, there, it, it, it's a different date each month. The, the longer it takes for the for the volume and the open interest in the futures contract to tra to go to the next contract month, the more there is people standing for physical delivery on that futures contract and therefore the more supportive all things being equal you know the, the, the price will be and the more likely that it's going to be spiking or who's going up I mean in, for example in 1979-80 there were times when the the, the the most active futures contract was already like five or ten days in delivery 
meaning that the December contract would still be the active contract on December 10th or December 9th or something like that. I mean, it's unimaginable today. Typically now, it's like 10, 15 days before because people want to get out, you know, and they roll to the next one. Most people don't hold contracts to delivery, and so they, you know, they roll it enough in advance so they can take advantage of the liquidity. It's a race out the door. You know, if you wait too long, then especially if you have a large position, um, you don't want to be, you know, like the last, like there's 5,000 contracts, I think you have 2,500 of them. It's not going to be easy to get out. So there's sort of a race for the door, you know, and everyone kind of jockeys for position in a way. I'm mean, not physically, but, you know, people see the open interest dropping, so they, based on their position size, they want to get out and go to the next month. But if there's a lot of contracts being held for delivery, there's not that jockeying going on. People will literally be, will be sitting on these contracts. And you know, the bait, I mean, there's been two, two examples actually this year where um, yeah, this kind of trade would have made literally a fortune. Unfortunately, it wasn't in gold or silver. But in, uh, was it March wheat or April wheat, uh, the winter, uh, the spring wheat crop at one point uh, went into a backwardation of $5 per bush per, per, per contract. And each dollar is worth $5,000. So it's $25,000. The cost of the margin on that contract would have been $125. Huh. So had you been smart enough to hold that contract and say, well, I think there's something going on in wheat. I see that they're not you know, option. Open interest is not rolling. I'm going to take a spread on this. I'm going to buy the March, sell the July, or whatever it is, and hold it until as, as long as I can. On that expiration date, the last notice date, you would have been up $25,000 for a risk of 125 with literally no downside. What, caused, what caused this? Uh, 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 they're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> well, you still don't still trying to, Some people say that the part of it was the, um, uh, uh, the, the terminals, the grain terminals are controlled by just a few companies. So there's mm -hmm. only a certain amount that goes through there. So um, there was a dislocation between where the demand was being placed. Uh, this, is this is a Kansas City. This is a this is a spring wheat. So it's a Kansas City contract, and so but Chicago's what, where the main grain terminal is. So that you know there was some interplay between things. No one really knows. This was not a monetary or economic phenomenon, but but it's capable of happening. And of course, you know, in gold and silver, I mean, we know that this is capable of happening. So it just shows, you know, that. Just in no, relatively normal times, you can generate very, very large profits off, you know, off of something like this. Um, in fact, I know I've got a few people, a few friends that, <laughs> ever since that happened, we're just copycats. Okay, every time wheat now is going expiration, they just buy the same spread, you know, and they pretty much just kind of broken even or whatever. But you know, the idea is that if you, you know, it's happened once, if you keep doing it, you only need it to happen, you know, because you could buy 200 contracts, you know, for very for very little and. 200 times 25,000, I mean, you know, so it's not that much. The spread, uh, the spread <laughs> margin is low. The spread margin is low. The, yeah, it's very, very low, right? Very um, low. And it, sometimes it does increase, but typically it's not adjusted in the same manner that it is on the outright contract. Um, the, other, uh, the other one, I believe, was in uh, oil. I think in these, this is very recent. This was September or October oil, I think, went into, and I don't know the exact number, but I think something like $10. And each dollar, oil is a thousand dollars, so a thousand dollars. That's ten thousand dollars per per contract, and that was uh, um, I forgot what the months it was, but it was literally just between the, the, the expiring month, whether it was October, and the next month, which is the November month. Um, and this was in a period I think when prices were already sort of coming down. So it's not only a phenomenon that it's 
really strong markets, everyone's trying to take delivery. Uh, these things happen just because this might have just been physically what I was saying is people were jockeying to get out and someone got caught with a very large position. In fact, I think that's part of the speculation. They just couldn't get out, so they had to pay. They weren't they weren't there to, you know, they didn't have oil to deliver, so they had to pay, a, you know, it's kind of a squeeze, as it were. Um, so this is, these kind of things are, 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 you know, are certainly within the realm of possibility. Um, um, what's the minimum size of a futures contract, and what's the minimum amount you could pay as a deposit, 10%, 5%? Um, the minimum sizes of futures are called the mini futures, and gold is 33 ounces. And one kilo, one kilogram. Yeah, in effect, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's traded on the uh, Globex Chicago CME, um, and that is that has a physical delivery mechanism too. So if someone has a large position where they have spot, you literally would want to be buying the gold and storing it at a warehouse that you would be able to use the, that certificate to make good on, on having to deliver it, if, you know, if, you know, if you're actually delivering. Um, and in silver, it's say a uh, thousand ounces. And they also have that on the uh, uh, CME through Globex. <clears throat> but the standard contract, of course, are 5,000 ounces for silver and 100 ounces for gold. Um, so that if you're really serious about this, that's where really the more liquidity is. So you're much more likely, if you're trading, basically you're only talking about a few percentages here, uh, that's probably more likely where, you know, you'd actually be able to make profit uh, because the, the chances of slippage are, are pretty significant. You'd never do these trades, for example, as a market order because especially in a spread, you're out further in the futures, the bids aren't, aren't as tight there. So you can end up looking at, at your chart, oh my God, this is, you know, I literally have, you know, uh, made $2,000, you're in a market order, you've actually lost money because you were filled so far away from the, pri the last, you know, the last price that was quoted. So you have to enter these as limit orders on both sides. If you put one in on the one side, if the basic gets big enough, I buy, and if it gets small enough, I sell. And you enter those ahead of time and you just let it work as magic. Um, any other questions? Oh, the margin. The margin is not the percentage. It's it's specified by the exchange. It's a formula based on the two standard deviations from the daily volatility. So it changes over time. Right now, I think it's eighty-one hundred dollars on silver and six thousand something dollars on on gold per contract. So it's pretty low. But you know, when silver was at twenty dollars, it was actually less. So. There are times when you can actually have more leverage um, and others when you have less. And like yesterday, I think gave the example of when things get out of control, of course, this, you know, this kind of thing can backfire because the exchange could, for example, require 100%, or in the case of palladium, it was 120%. You required to put up 120% of the price. So there's no point to speculate on the futures at that point. You might as well just speculate on the physical. It actually costs you less to buy the physical than to buy the futures. And that's a possibility in the future. You know, it, for, for gold and silver. That could be one mechanism that would be used, for example, if there's this delivery default that everyone's been talking about for December, which I, you know, I'm ready to be proven wrong, I suppose, but I just don't see how it's possible. Um, but I think it is possible in months like March, April, May, uh, some of these off months. Um, and in fact, in 2004, um, the, there were actually some problems in silver in, in the uh, uh, March and May contracts. But 
you know, like I said, the exchange could increase these margins and force people out of the market. Any questions? Tom, uh, just following on on that, it seems that the basis could be a early warning sign that they're going to raise the margin on you because that's one of the biggest problems with future traders, the thought that they could raise the margin just at your most critical moment. So do you see the basis as possible early warning for the margin change? I mean, it could be certainly, certainly, you know, I think the people that are, are speculating that there's going to be a delivery default in the December contracts, you know, they have some inputs that they're not just taking this out of the, the air. I mean, there's strong retail demand, um, you know, uh, there's big price discrepancies, but most importantly, the forward rates have been dropping, and if you're calculating the basis, that's been dropping. These are signs that there is incipient physical demand not manifested in price necessarily, but <coughs> manifested in the balance between between you know the available supply and, and, and the spot demand. And in fact, we've seen that prices have dropped, but the thing about the basis is again, it's completely independent of price. Um, and but the resolution to get the two things back uh, into, into um, equilibrium it's typically a very violent event that happens over the course of several days. For example, the, 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 the wheat and oil example, as I gave earlier, there was some imbalance and there's some discrepancy in that market that was obviously not easily detectable, as it may be here, but, but the adjustment was literally over a couple of days and it created an extreme situation of, of backwardation of, of many, many dollars. I mean, it, and, and I certainly could see that happening. I mean, the gold and silver market in some ways are, have the potential because of the number of individuals it's not like any of us here are really going to be, you know, professional wheat traders, but all of us probably own some gold and probably do aspects of a strategy like this, and then you multiply that by, you know, everyone else. You know, it doesn't take much individuals to be involved in this to where it, it gets completely out of out of whack. The event of a delivery default, for example, in the silver December contracts. What would be the likely events? Say one is that they could raise the margin, but if they didn't raise the margin, obviously the price for December would go up tremendously, right? Is that right? I mean, yes, that's that's true. If there is not enough silver to be delivered yeah. against what the demand is, yeah. so so the but, no, but the default, default. Yeah. the default itself yeah. by definition is. Is I suppose there's two types of default. One would be a delivery default. Yeah. There's not enough to deliver on. And two would be there was such a fast move in prices over such a small period of time that margins, the, because at some point the markets just get frozen. You got to remember this. In futures, in futures, you know the, we haven't had this for a period, but but you actually could have limit ups. Now in gold they say, look, you know. It's, you know, if it goes like $50, then you hold, just close the market for 15 minutes. But that doesn't mean that they can't change that in order to stop, you know, something happening. So you might actually have limit updates for several days. And people get so turned upside down that they've literally lost everything. They can't make their margin calls. And if that happens across enough people, of course, the exchange is responsible for making up losses that, that people are not willing to pay in. So the exchange may actually go bankrupt. It has money set aside. But it's very unusual that you would have a situation where it would have to if people are doing their jobs, and of course the brokers get all sorts of penalties for not maintaining these you know, margin calls on time, but if prices are moving fast enough, certainly you can have a situation where a bunch of people all of a sudden are bankrupt, cannot, cannot meet their uh, obligations on their contract, and it's so large that the exchange itself is uh, bankrupted. So 
It's two different types of default. The delivery default is easy to deal with um, from, from, the from the exchange's perspective because it's written into their rules as what they can do. And they can do almost anything. <laughs> I don't know why you call them rules. But <laughs> the rules typically said, Strictly speaking, is the default of the clearinghouse. Of the, it's not the exchange, which is really just giving the facilities. It's the clearinghouse, which sure, is an yes, association sir. of uh, the biggest brokers active in that particular. Right, right. So I mean, if you really got into the nitty-gritty, you're right. I mean, the exchange itself does not. That the, you know is not what makes up the the losses of an individual yeah. trader. It's the clearinghouse, which is yeah. But it's important, as you point out, that there are two uh, centers of of great risk. One is the default of the shorts, which is outside of the uh, exchange, and then the default of the clearinghouse, right. which is. A, so th these are the two things to watch. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't know even when they speak about December if people really understand which one that, that they're talking about. I think in general people are saying that there's going to be so much demand because like guys like this Jason Hamel and Jim Poplova and some <laughs> of the people on the internet are saying, oh, everyone should, you know, hey, we've already done everything we can with the retail. You can't buy. So if you're really buying, go buy a contract stand for delivery on the futures. They're thinking that there's enough people out there that are heeding this advice, or there's enough people that they know is doing this, that literally there's more people that want to take delivery than there are people that are willing to. Just because there's 130 million ounces of silver that is sitting in, in, in the Comex warehouse, that only a small fraction at any one time is available at almost any price to be delivered upon. Um, most of it is actually not even sitting in what's called registered form, which has a warehouse certificate ready to be issued against it. Uh, most of it is called eligible silver, which means that someone has deposited the silver in the warehouse, not for the purpose of using it to trade the bases or for, uh, for futures contracts. They just happen to have silver that qualifies for being traded, but it hasn't been designated as, being, as, as, as having been traded. So, you know, that's, when you look at those fractions, it's actually a pretty small amount that is really designated for futures activity. And even of that, only a fraction of that has ever taken delivery of. So it's not actually a, a completely crazy concept that you know a, a few Jason Hamels put together could actually you know, make a run, as it were, on you know on the available silver in the Comex. Um, I just don't think December is the month that you would want to be even doing it. Any other questions? All right. I guess uh, there's time for. Oh, there's another question here. Yes, go, Lawrence. already own yes. that you would use yeah. yeah of course okay okay right right but the, but the, the, the problem with that is if you ever did have a situation where you have to deliver that gold there's expense and time which with which you can do it in fact what it turns out is that if you are if you go you know if you hold the contract too long for whatever reason 
you know, you essentially get forced out and, 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 and you know, have to make maybe a cash settlement and you don't have the cash. Um, so then you have to have cash. So if you were to do that, I would say make sure the margin that you hold in your, in your futures account is more than the minimum that the exchange requires. Because you may have to settle, you might have to do some what's called an exchange for physicals. So you actually obtain gold that's sitting in the warehouse. Um, because that's the only type that you know you could actually use to, to make a delivery if something truly goes wrong and and you know everyone's thinking oh it's going this way back relation boom it reverses because I'm not saying that you know this is a totally risk-free proposition <laughs> with everything else there's, there's probabilities and but the probabilities are so so skewed on one side I mean why in gold and silver why I mean, I can't why would you ever sell the basis um, Maybe that's a question for the professor. Would you sell the basis in gold and silver ever? What would be there? Would there be a scenario? Well, it depends whether you are trading or investing. Uh, and uh, under investing, I also include those like myself who is motivated by an insurance aspect rather than an investment aspect. Uh, if you are trading, definitely you have to be prepared to buy and sell. Well, meaning sell, well, because you said you can sell first and then buy later, but, you know, you reversed the, no, no. the risk profile, didn't you, when you yeah, sell first? But you have an inventory of, of long basis positions, okay? And, uh, and sometimes you add to it, sometimes you reduce the size, depending on the variation of basis. You see, the point of having an inventory is that if the basis doesn't move immediately in your direction, you still have some ammunition that you can add to it. And then, uh, vice versa, if the basis is moving in your direction, you don't want to take all the profits at the first fall of the basis, but you sell a, a smaller portion of your inventory, and then further fall will trigger another sale and so on and you don't want to run out of but, but you don't you don't really ever want to be us <coughs> like us n net negative no 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 no, no that's no. what i was asking so you don't want to no. be net, net you don't see a circumstance where you would want to be net negative no not that that is too, too far too late, along in the process too far along uh, along with this too far you know yeah. if we were talking two months ago when truly we were at four percent you know some of you actually could have done you know gone from here and made some money because you were said oh look it's right on four percent like Tom was saying look if i look at the market it's four percent let me buy this okay let me buy this spread and you would have made um, you know, something on the order of three or four thousand per contract in silver, and about uh, two thousand twenty-two hundred gold. That was two months ago, though. So, you know, it's hard to say now. Okay, you can go tomorrow and, and do a trade based on the basis because this opportunity is not available right now. But it could be in two months. Um, so it's you know that's also an important thing here. That well, as I was planning for this, I was like, okay, great. This is an example. I could actually give a particular example here in the session and we can follow it to see if it made money or not but it, it, it's too you know that was two months ago so hmm. uh, any other questions well we can't we, we, no, we, have, we have a 10 minute one yeah you have the 10 minute yeah. section so why don't we do that yeah. okay um, <clears throat> i'd like to make it as concrete as possible so suppose i decided to move to australia and i would like to use my financial resources to trade the basis to I'm a, a person of modest means possibly a pensioner 
but I do have an income and I would like to follow the principles which we are developing here in practice. So it's very practical. The first question is which city of Australia would I pick as my residence? Now, yesterday I got advice from Lawrence who suggested that Brisbane is the most wonderful place, the best climate, you don't have to have heating system or air conditioning, etc. Today Judy told me that Brisbane uh, sports the, the biggest coin shop in in no, it's a, a sort of a reputable dealer and then his bread is small. Okay. So it sounds to me that Brisbane is... <laughs> now perhaps somebody in the audience could answer this question. If I phone up this particular principal dealer in Brisbane and ask him to quote as a bid price and an asked price on a certain coin which is perhaps the most current bullion coin in Australia, what would it be? Would it be... Uh, okay. Uh, would he be able to uh, give me or would he be willing to give me a quote? Uh, both bid and ask. Yes. yes. He would. Yes. And uh, what uh, delivery date would he be likely to... As long as the money is in his bank. Oh, well let's, let's assume that I, I have enough money in his bank. Oh, if you just go there, if you give him cash, he'll give you the coin. He would? Yes. Now, could this change, do you anticipate that this could change tomorrow and he would say, no, we take one week for delivery? They usually don't sell you at all. They say, we have nothing, call back next week. No, no, not my experience. Judy, they're telling you, call back, Judy's in the shop. No, actually, when you're migrating, I would not guarantee it. But I think within a week or so, I think you're pretty safe to go there and put your money, you'll get your coin. That's my understanding. Uh -huh. I mean, it would have changed. I mean, I haven't dealt with him for about a month or so. But you can, you know, from the web, you can ring him up now if you're really interested. Just for fun. Uh, these coins are minted in, in Perth? Yes, they are. And, and I'm assuming that he is getting his supply. He already got his supply from the mint. I mean, Braun was telling us some of the coin dealer has bought 5,000 or how much worth sitting in their wallet. Okay. All right. Now, this sounds extremely good to me as a newcomer <laughs> to Australia because it's, it's a, a, a thousand percent better than in the United States <laughs> and it's, it's several hundred percent better than, for example, in Germany, which is a very rich country with a tradition of gold investors and uh, therefore I would say you are very well placed. The next thing you want to do is you build up a little bit of history for the basis. So for that purposes I would make arrangements with that dealer telling him that I will call him daily for bid and ask prices on the same, on the same coin. Mm -hmm. 
And if there's any change in delivery policy, he would tell me that. Okay? So then I would uh, set up a spreadsheet day by day, and if the market is very volatile, perhaps several times a day, I want uh, bid and ask quotes. So all this information I would collect in, in my spreadsheet. Okay? So this is my spot leg. Uh, you see, uh, uh, ba when we talk about bases, uh, buying bases, you have to have a long leg and a short leg. So uh, I enter these. I'm not buying yet. I'm just collecting information to have a history. Mm -hmm. So, all right. And then for the short leg, I could use COMEX. Now, it's a matter of... Uh, would you use settlement price or a certain uh, price during the trading hours? Well, the, the thing is, is you can get, you know, live data costs $50 a month through a number of different services. So you no, can you can get it free. Uh, with well, 15, delayed, 20 minutes delayed. Well, that, that okay. doesn't matter. Okay. For the purposes... Oh, for this? Okay, you can get it almost anywhere for 20 minute delayed. Yeah, yeah the, but, but, what, but, uh, but my question to you is, would you prefer the settlement price for making the history chart? Or, or would you just say, okay, uh, intraday trading at a certain intraday trading intraday because if you call if you call two or three times a day certainly you'd want intraday but uh, I think it, you probably because you can you could literally be on the internet when you're making a call and see what the price is at that time and then chart it from what your phone call okay is. okay so uh, at the same time you you try to call your dealer at a time when COMEX is in session. The point is, there is a fluctuation in Australian dollars. So you will have to take in account of the frustrate, uh, you know, the fluctuation of the currency. So it's difficult to do it. <laughs> no, I, I think the dealer should be able to give you price quotation in U.S. dollars no. for the time no, being. No, no, they always on a spot price is in oh. Australian dollars. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, with this spread, his profit margin is crucial. Can mm -hmm. I just ask, just a general question of the forum? This. Uh, facility that trades on the Australian ASX, the gold, G-O-L-D, yeah. it trades, what is it, is it one tenth of an ounce and does that give a yeah, direct correlation? Yeah, the gold problem is that that's not exactly one tenth of an ounce because it's got a declining balance because it's how it comes in storage fees. Oh, okay. Right. It's got the EZ-A-U-W-B-A, yeah, that's a quote on the A-U-W-B-A. I suppose you can use that to trade, yeah. If you want spot prices, just go to the Perthing website because I've got every day's average price in there going back to 91. And that's the actual average of the day prices of Perthing which really didn't feel enough. There is now a live page which has the AUD and USD bid and ask spread that is the basis on which the shop physical prices for coins and bars are traded. Right. And that may change eight times during a day. It's right. massively mm. frequent, but that is effectively the Australian intraday price, mm. uh, which you could use. And really, the dealers would probably look at what the Perth Mint's quoting as its bid ask spread. Very much so, yeah. 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 And okay. based off yeah. that. So I would suggest that's probably the, yeah. the one to use in Australia. It's just mm. you know, the Perth Mint 
there's another one. Uh, I can see the Australian volume company. Yeah. Just go on there. Get the data. Is that is that is that? But it doesn't give you for, for the price of what you can buy. I mean, you can't buy at that price. Is a problem. Only only a large you know for you know dealer can buy at that price. You want to get a price that you can actually buy at. That's you know, at, at the moment when you're taking that temperature of the market. Oh, time is limited. So let me get on with this. All right, this is a coordinate system. The horizontal axis is time, let's say days. And the vertical axis is the basis which we now decided to calculate on the basis of the Brisbane uh, dealer's quote. Okay, you can take the average of the bid and the ask price. Mm -hmm. And that's the long leg, and the short leg is the COMEX. You try to get from KITCO or whatever sources, this is no problem. Free quotations are available if 20 minute delay, that's, that's no problem. Okay, and then you chart it, the basis. Now, what I want you to show on your chart is the carrying charge. because we know it's an upper limit for the basis. The basis we can take for granted would never get above that. And the closer you are to that level, the better your deal is to buy, to time your purchases of, of the coins. And if, if, if there's a spike, then you might want to buy more coins because you get an extremely good, uh, good deal. Otherwise, other than that, I would expect the basis would have a trend of falling with, with spikes and troughs. Okay? If you are accumulating, you have a strategy of accumulation, in other words, you never sell, you just buy. Now, you don't buy on payday, but you wait after pay. You have the cash sitting in the account. Uh, on, in the same bank where the Brisbane dealer has it. So if you have a spike, you give him a buy order. And uh, after next payday, you, you do the same. So the timing is, gu is guided by your chart. This is your personal basis chart, okay, which is different from somebody else's who is buying his coins for in Germany or in the US or wherever. And uh, I think <laughs> what I hear from you, you have a great advantage over uh, people live in the United States or Germany. We can't buy any. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think you can buy with a very high premium, premium you're right. which means sure. the basis is that much lower, yeah, yeah. but but uh, anyhow, this is a starter, and you can paper trade for any length of time when you build up confidence, and and uh, then you can start with real money and buy, get get uh, the coins 
by then I think they he probably sold out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually the we same remark. Fun. I don't think they would get sold out. For good customers, they would say we deliver at a high premium. We don't want to scare you, but be prepared. No, they pick up too from you if you really now to want to trade it. Actually, they, you can if you really, uh, if enough margin in it, because they are trying to coax you to sell yeah. them back, and they make the profit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there was a question there. Um, when you were saying the other side uh, of the leg is the comics price. Is that the futures range? Because the basis is between the spot price and the futures price. So the spot price you're getting from the dealer and the COMEX price is your futures price, is it? Yes. Yes. That's COMEX price is the future. So it's going to be the nearest, the nearest future, futures price. Nearest future. So yeah. yeah, the nearest feature would Near, work, yeah. as long as it's the one with the yeah. most volume. But, but you have to be consistent, you see. I mean, once you started working with that particular month, you change only after this uh, this month moved into uh, or, or dropped from the board, and then it's the next one. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you'd still want to standardize. And still and divide by the days and yes. create an annualized. Well, that's price. right. So you wouldn't just that's do right. straight price. You'd have to still do yeah. that calculation. There's a little calculation before, involved. Right? Yeah. But the important point I'm making is that you are using the local. This is that's critical. That you should be able to get the gold coin when you get the signal, and that is the, uh, crucial here. That you are you have a business relationship with the dealer. He knows you and uh, in person, that's why you have to live in Brisbane and you go to <laughs> and make friends with him and so on and, and uh, you can be sure that he will always give you the, uh, the best treatment. Well, you can do the same thing with Perth I mean, I have a yes. Perth I can just ring up. Yeah. I take one more question and then I will ask Michael to, uh, to say if this more or less uh, as a good start to, uh, because you, we all started with your question, right? Yeah. Okay. Just on the comment there about that, the buy and sell, you could do that with unallocated gold. Yes, uh, you can. ABC, it's $8 above spot to buy allocated gold. So right. if you bought it when it's in the peak right. and then sold it on the drop, yeah. would that be similar to doing what mm. you're saying? Yeah, true. Could you? <laughs> you because I think you understand this. Uh, you can buy allocated or also unallocated gold from Braun in Perth Mint. Unallocated gold from the from the. Mint. And you can do that on the basis, and you can buy or sell because you already have the gold yeah. in their mint, yeah. and they're happy to sell it, and you can trade the basis that way on a theoretical basis. This, but that's not a selling strategy, though. We should maybe specify that this is an accumulation strategy. That's an accumulation strategy. No, even so, you can still do that uh, on theory. Not trade the basis like this, that the way Professor is saying, though, that you would want to sell. This is gold you don't want you to sell. You can still use that much better than trading, of course. Right. No, if, if you consider trading, in other words, not just accumulation, I would suggest that you set up two accounts for yourself. One, an accumulation account, and, another trading. and another a trading, trading account which co could go as low to zero, as zero, mm. and and build it up again. 
but don't mix the two because that could be dangerous, especially at times like this when the crisis situation could develop. Okay. Uh, uh, concerning unallocated gold, I would like to be sure that the Perth Mint doesn't do naked selling. <laughs> Not according to Brown. <laughs> In that case, I would consider uh, unallocated gold. Oh, I would, I, I would add that only if the premium on yes. the on the physical gold coins that you could buy is is, is so high. But I'm not trying to, uh, you know. But but really, I mean, if physical buy unallocated, allocated, whatever. Unallocated, just I mean, what I would say is that for us in Australia, probably maybe it's a, it's a team exercise that we need to do. Is that what we have? Is we have the Perth Mint website with a spot price. We have the ABC website qu quoting a price. We have the GOLD and we have our warrant on the ASX, which also intraday live price data. Um, so those are all Australian gold prices for various things. So I think if you charted all those intraday, you would probably get your spot price, your real underlying spot price. Because um, all of those instruments are the same but just to be clear here, this is an accumulation strategy and that you would be making purchases for your own account for a long-term core holding using this methodology. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to time the price and say, well, now there's a spike down in the price and this is it, and I'm going to base, base my purchase because it's a low price, or I think it's a low price, you're not making the timing decision based on the price, based you're making on the it on the basis that the basis is closest to its largest, that 4%, remember I was talking about 4%? Here is, A, you're using the basis, can you use the basis to buy and sell unallocated gold? Yeah. 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 Any gold, any gold, unallocated because then you have such a much smaller spread. I would Not raw like this, because we've had that question a number of times today, and if that could be done, then We'd all be millionaires after this session. <laughs> the, no, the answer is no because the data does not support that. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay. I will start in the afternoon by going back to Michael. Thank heaven for Australia. Thank heaven for Perth. Thank heaven for Brisbane. <laughs>